0: going on everybody we are back with another episode of fins and feathers and i can't wait to welcome all you guys to this podcast because this is one of my favorite guests so far um we've had ronnie phillips on from heartland waterfowl which was another good guest we've had this guy's co-workers on actually employees that's the technical word for him and um now i'm going to talk to the head honcho copeland creative um caleb copeland and i mean i am stoked for this um he has a lot of knowledge and i'm going to try not to nerd out we're going to try to stick to his story of his life of how he got to where he is and we're going to kind of talk about the different things out there and um he's a big storyteller that's the kind of stuff i like um i think it's sometimes i kind of i kind of get in the bond where i don't want to I, I change my media because i can't get the full story so i'm like oh, let's just throw out a promo um I'm trying to work more on having the story so I can give you guys the full story. And that's the plan coming forward because we've got a YouTube series coming. Um, it's going to be live, not so live. When we have in-guest studios, whether it's Harrison, Tyler, Jared, Adam, Will, anyone else I can get to come up to West Virginia and hang out for the weekend or something as we move forward in the Duck season, um, we're going to have live video. It'll be live, not so live. We'll upload it probably. It'll go live the same time the podcast goes live. So you can watch it there or you can listen to it either way. But um, we don't have the internet right now to make it fully live. So we're going to, I mean, that's we're doing the best we can do right now. But we're trying to get there. So just bear with us. Um, we have some awesome giveaways coming up. That'll get released here hopefully within the week or two. Probably 1st of August we're going to have that. We're going to kick off. We got some awesome giveaways free to enter all you gotta do is rate and review So go make sure you're rating and reviewing sharing it over on facebook and instagram tag us winter productions tag harrison tag tyler and we're gonna make some cool gifts giveaways um we got some small giveaways and some bigger stuff i'm gonna mix in there so go over check us out and um we're gonna jump on to this we got caleb from copeland creative so let's head over and see what's going on Hey everyone. On the phone with me tonight, I got Caleb Copeland from Copeland Creative. How are you doing tonight, Caleb?
1: I uh, can't complain, brother. Everything's good on my end. How about yourself?
0: Doing pretty good, pretty good. Um wish we could get some more rain. Um it seems like we get a little bit a day and that's it.
1: We we get it's been raining every other day here. We we are not short sure on rain here for sure.
0: Yeah, we got we get about a thirty minute shower and then it kind of turns back to like ninety some degrees. So it's it's not bad, but for doing some farming, it's kind of been a little rough getting some hay and stuff to grow back. But you know, we're gonna make it. We'll be good.
1: I got you. Yeah, it's uh, it's ninety degrees here too. It's miserable hot.
0: Ooh, that's that south heat. Uh that's yeah. But you guys you guys are gonna be hot all the way until probably November. Maybe even December.
1: You're uh Yeah, you're you're we start getting wet weather, deep weather. Yeah, like you said about November and end of November, end of December we'll start getting good weather.
0: Yeah. Whew. But um I wanted you to come on here tonight to kinda talk about you have your own podcast and stuff. You've talked about it on there, and I've, I've referenced a bunch of people to go check you guys out because of all the stuff I'm, you're going I'm
1: getting every other word, dude. I can barely hear you. Oh.
0: Okay, let me see. Is this better? That, yeah, it seems better. Hey, we'll try that. Um, what I was saying there was, I wanted to get you guys on here tonight to kind of talk about everything you've kind of done and you you've got a lot of knowledge in the world of media production and stuff um also think you have a very creative story and how you got into it which um you have a pod, yeah you have yeah, a, it's,
1: full, it's a, it's a weird
0: one yeah you have like a full two podcasts i think you've talked about it two different podcasts when you're you sure you've talked about it. so i thought maybe we could just do, do like kind of like a shorthand version of it not really give because i mean that's that's a full two hours of just hearing that crazy story yourself. Um, yeah. But why don't you give us like a quick little yeah. shorthand how you got into this business?
1: Well, um, I'll try and convince it the best I can. Um, long story short, I signed my brother up for a contest that I saw in Film dream magazine. He ends up winning, not knowing that I signed him up. I, uh, after he won, he was required to do some like video blogs for Field Stream's website called Generation Wild. Well, my brother's very blue collar, doesn't really know how computers work, and I'm the only tech savvy one in my family. So I decided to produce them for him. And uh, the product that he turned in was way better than all the other kids. So they asked him to stay on and do some work for him after his year, uh, like 10 year, was over. Uh, he told them that he didn't do any of that. That was all me. So they hired me to do a web series. Um, I figured out that, hey, this is actually a viable option to make some money. I was in college playing baseball at the time. Um, I did the web series, made about 5000 bucks, bought my first HD camera. I uh, spent about two and a half years right out of college filming whoever let me go with them trying to gain experience and learn. And then um, I had an idea for a show that I pitched to Jeff Fox was a comedian through a friend of a friend. Um, That idea ended up getting me hired on to produce a show with Jeff. Um, I was at a production company called Sub7 for about five years doing outdoor content with some of the best content creators in the game. Um, Learned more in three months of doing it with them than I did in three years doing it on my own. I was there until 2017. I left in 2017 to start my own company, Copeland Creatives, and um, we've been very, very blessed since then to be able to do some really cool stuff with some really cool people and make a little money in the process. So that's where we're at right now. That's probably the quickest, condensed version I can give of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean that was a great, great quick overview. We're gonna, I'm gonna hop back there and we're gonna talk a little bit about your time at Sub Seven. Um. Because that was your first job, you got hired on at as a content producer, and um, uh, and you have all this stuff over on your your um, podcast, which we're going to get to. But like, how how quickly did you figure out that you didn't know anything? I mean, not that you didn't know anything, but how but like, much the game is actually different?
1: How little, I knew. Yes, that's a good. Yeah, way to put it. Um, I realized how. Yeah, I realized I knew about 1% of what I needed to know probably the first couple weeks in there. Um, I, I knew I was very – I wasn't qualified for the job when I got hired for it in the beginning, and, and uh, Mark gave me an opportunity to come in and um, and learn. And, and if it wasn't been have for Chance and Nate and a couple of the other guys there, I would have never – I would have never gotten to the place that I am now. I mean, they were definitely the, the catalyst and the kickstart to um, – just to learn but it was a trial by fire you know we were handed a project and you just got to figure it out and it wasn't good chance kicked it back said that's not good do it again um and i was and i guess i really thrived in that environment is like being put into the flames and like hey you either you know sink or swim and i uh i really took that and enjoyed the work i'm honestly would have done it for free that first year but yeah i mean i learned I would say on the shooting side, I learned a good bit, um, but more on the editing side. But I think learning how to edit proficiently makes you so much better of a shooter anyway. So that's really the, the, the eye opener for me was learning uh, several. I, I remember the day the light bulb clicked for me, you know, the chance of giving me a, an edit that I was supposed to do was actually respect the game edit for elite. Um, back when they edited that show and that was one of the first edits I ever did. And, um, it was a very simple um, edit. It, it, to now, now it would be a very simple edit. But back then, to me, it was like a monumental task. And um, I would edit a piece of it and show it to him, and he's like, yeah, it's too long." And I would work on it again and show it to him. He's like, "Yeah, that's no, still too long." And uh, I'd show it to him the third time. And he's like, "Yeah, still long." And I just got really frustrated. I'm like, "I don't know where else to, to trim this down." Like I'm I, I'm lost and took like an hour and sat down with me and literally tore it apart like this is why it sucks pretty much and um that was the light bulb that went off for me to start understanding um that there's a very big difference between knowing how to use an editing program and knowing how to edit and tell a story um those are two very very different things and i didn't realize that until chance pretty much showed me i had no idea what i was doing
0: yeah. I mean, that was, that's so true. And I think, I think a big thing you touched on there quick in there is like, I know there's a lot of people who, who like go with me, who are out with me sometimes and want to use one of my cameras and shoot some stuff. And then they hand it back to me and they're like, Oh, how does it look? And I'm like, well, why don't you look at it with me? Because you'll learn so much more by editing your actual footage than you ever will by just shooting with a camera. Cause you will realize, well, I was shaky the whole entire time. I didn't take my time. I didn't leave cut room in the front, cut room in the back. Just those little things that, like you appreciate on the editing side, it'll make you such a better filmer.
1: Oh yeah, it, it, you learn what you need, what you don't need. Um, think you know some things that you can do in the field to make your job easier once you get back to the computer to edit. There's a there's no substitute for spending time behind the camera and then taking that footage and then trying to edit it and make something out of it. Um, it's an absolute, um, it's a reality check sometimes too for guys. But, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing when I got there. I mean, I'd edited a couple of web shows and done some things like that. But in reality, I was still such a, such a newbie. Like I really still had no idea what I was doing and um and they showed me like hey this is this is how it's done professionally and i was not doing it professionally still very very much rudimentary but so back then everything was tv like everything was high production value tv um nothing was this youtube rough cut let everything run long you know no real story no real production just kind of film everything very vlog style and let it run, which I hate, which I think is my generation. I came up not viewing that, not enjoying that, but not getting the story from that. And I, I appreciate the cinematography. I appreciate the storytelling. I appreciate all things that I was talking that I've learned over the years. And like the, the new YouTube, you know, format that, that's taking off, um, I just, it's not for me. Um, I'm just saying the history repeats itself and it eventually comes back around to well-produced content because that's that's what we want to do.
0: Yeah, I'll, I will 100% agree with you. I mean, I guess we are pretty close in age, um, so I would agree with you. The new, which I was going to get to it eventually with the web shows, and we'll touch on it when we get there, but the new long form of all those guys that are just kind of all across the board out there it's, it's kind of really annoying to watch. There's no real, like you say, cinematography to it. It's very plain Jane, just turn the camera on, let it roll, then let's just cut it and throw it together and go.
1: Yeah, and I, and I, understand, I understand why. Uh, it's because good production takes time and costs money. Um, I understand that part, but um, I also... There is still a place for it. Uh, the, the outdoor industry is getting away from it because nobody has a budget or nobody wants to pay for anything because they're a bunch of cheapskates. But um, for high production value and good storytelling will always have its place. Um, all you have to do is watch, you know, look at what Netflix and what Amazon Prime and what some of these others are doing. I mean, high production value and storytelling is still of the utmost importance. I think it still will be for certain facets of this business and
0: that's where we're trying to focus our time and energy yeah and i don't that honestly that's the kind of stuff i like to watch so what i kind of found out about you caleb was i may have my messed up a little bit but it was when you were at sub seven and you were in a clip filming um chuck belmore and them for iron man bow fishing I might, I might have this wrong but i do remember seeing chuck I thought John and I thought you at one point in time in a clip uh, I that. was
1: never I was probably on I was probably on a show on the habit I was never on Iron Man Iron Man was before before my time that was 2011 I didn't start at sub-7 until 2012 um, but yeah I was on the habit time.
0: okay I did sub-7 produce Iron Man
1: no, they did not. No, that oh, was man. before. Um, I completely we the all... only show we ever produced with Chuck. Um, the only show, Ch- only show we ever did with Chuck was The Habit.
0: Okay, it was before that. Like I'd found you all before that, so I don't know when it was. I swore up and down it was when Iron Man boating fishing came out. Huh? Yes, I'm completely wrong.
1: Yeah, no, uh-uh. I never. <laughs> I never. Did it with Iron-, Iron Man was already uh, a thing in the past when I came to Sub Seven, and I didn't meet Chuck until after Iron Man was over with.
0: Well, 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 well. See, if Chuck would have come on my podcast like I invited him on here and then he got busy with all kinds of important stuff and didn't come on here because <laughs> we couldn't get a date, I'd have had that right. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll, get the story. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get that story straight for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what what made you, I mean, not necessarily leave Sub-7, but like what made you, did you just think that, you know, I, I can go out and kind of set my own was it more of a you could just set your own calendar kind of thing what made you want to leave sub seven
1: um I was you know there's a lot of factors but the main thing was I wanted to be back home I, I wasn't I didn't like Columbus um I wanted to be able to move back home to raise my family um I uh I was kind of as high there as I could go I mean kind of at the top of the pay bracket and there weren't really very many opportunities to make more money or to move up, because um, in this business it, it, it's really hard to go beyond a certain way if you want to work for someone else. Um, we, that's I you know, I've, I've structured Copeland Creative very differently than it was at Sub Seven just for that reason because I want guys to, I don't want this to be a job I want it to be a career um, and it was a, it was several of those factors and there was just opportunities that I wanted to go after and I couldn't do it when I worked for someone else. Um, And I always, you know, my goal when I went in, in the very beginning was to go in, I always wanted to own my own business. I didn't know what it was. Um, But, you know, when I first started working there, I kind of thought in the back of my mind, like I'm going to get here. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I'm going to figure out a way to do this on my own. Because I, I mean, I was always, I mean, my dad owns his own business my whole life, and I always wanted to, you know, essentially, you know, quote unquote, be my own boss, and there's really good things about that, but there's also some really bad ones, too, especially now where, where we're growing, and, we and I, you know, I have guys work with me, and, you know, there's tons of overheads of officers and gear and insurance and fuel and, you know, just the BS of, of owning a business, but, um, I think the positives outweigh the negatives. Um, and, you know, I love the aspect of creating a team. I mean, I grew up playing baseball in high school and college, and I've always been a part of a team. And that was the hardest thing for me when I first left, was not having that group of guys to be able to bounce ideas off of, to show edits, to, to um, run things by, to see what they thought. Like, you know, we always had that camaraderie there at the office. And then when I left, about the first year and a half, before Ryer, you know, came over, or was it more a year and a half? I, it was year and a half, two years, something like that. But um, you know, not having somebody there other than my wife, and she hates everything I do anyway. She's my biggest critic. But um, you know, having somebody that can you know bounce creative ideas off of, because um, I, you know, you can ask any guys, any of the guys that work here. Like I'm, I'm constantly coming up with harebrained ideas on things that I want to do or, you know, places we want to go, things we want to shoot, passion projects, you know, half of them never come to fruition, but I'm just constantly thinking of, you know, how can we do this differently? How can we work this into that? How can we work with this company or that company? And, you know, I just am always trying to be innovative and trying to make sure that we're ahead of any curves that are out there. Um, and I mean, we're always working on something, you know, whether they come to fruition or not, you know, usually is on my shoulders, whether they do, but I just, I'm always trying to think of some new creative things that we can do or buy or have, or some sort of competitive advantage we can have. Um, and I've tried to, you know, now that we're five, a little over five years into this, um, I'm trying to say, okay, here's where I, you know, where I sit in in the business now, you know, I, I've taken, not taking myself completely out of the field or out of the edit day, but my time is, you know, more valuable doing other things a lot of times. And I've, you know, I've made clips the guys like, look, y'all are going to be the ones on the road and, um, making sure these things are getting shot and handled and edited. And, um, I'm, I'm more on the business development side now than I ever have been. And some days I'm really happy about that. Some days I would rather just sit, be simple and go on a hunt. But um, you know, I'm never gonna give up going out in the field, and editing. I still love it, but um, I, I just with three kids and a family and um, you know, a growing business, I have to make sure that my time is more um, thoughtful and spent in different ways now.
0: Yeah, um, there's so much there. I want I want to kind of talk about like just hit little points of that. That was. That was, that was great. You hit like four points on the notes that I had planned. Um, But so starting out, I mean, you have grown that business and what'd you say a little over five years into something pretty amazing. I think you have assembled an amazing team around you from the content you guys are producing. Um, I mean, it just seems like every time you guys hire someone new, it's like, well, let's just pull one of the best guys there is out there and he can come work for us. Um, even your freelance guys, because I follow, I mean, pretty much if someone shows up on your show, like y'all talk about, I go follow them and it's, I mean, they're top notch workers. And I think that says a lot for the clients you guys have gotten over the years. Um, I mean, you guys have worked for all kinds of different people. I mean, from start to finish, when you started your career, I feel like you started working out for some of the, I mean, with Jeff Foxworthy, I mean, that's a pretty big person. Um, I think uh, influencer in the outdoor industry. Um, now I'd say he's more on the lower side with who you guys have, but you guys have worked for people like red air, um, the habit, the crush. I mean, and like, I don't even know who all else that you guys have had your hands in because I mean, those are just the ones that like I remember.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been crazy blessed, you know, and it, it came from, you know, especially when I started back in the, sub-seven days and, and meeting and networking with lots of people and, and having the opportunity to work with um, some really big clients and now um, you know now it's just been Creative you know even bigger clients you know when you talk about the, the black rifles of the world and John Dudley's of the world and um, you know obviously still Lee and Tiffany being you know larger than life and it, it's, it's still it still is surreal to me sometimes but what you said earlier is, is the reason it's because of the people and the team and the, 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 the guys that are here, you know, I, you know, I'm maybe some of them have been, you know, products of, you know, networking and, and me over the years, but the reason they're still here isn't just because of me. It's because of the work that we all do every day. And And if it wasn't for the entire team, this thing doesn't, this doesn't continue and it doesn't and and, and also perception is reality like we 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 do a lot of things that try and and put us in a place to where we can attract clients like that you know i I look a lot at what black rifle's doing in terms of the culture of the business that they've created and i try my best to implement similar things the best way i know how for us on obviously a much much smaller scale but I want Copeland Creative and, and, and Redneck Tech to be places that people want to be involved with, that they want to associate with um, for the right reasons. I want them to be resources. And I want to, you know, I tell people all the time on podcasts and on the phone or whenever I meet people, I'm like, hey, if you ever have any questions, if you ever need something good, bad, or indifferent, or, you know, just want to talk or whatever, like, I'm, I'm an open book. You know, Ryers and Open bugs. You know, we all are. You know, it's one of those things to where if we want to we want to help people because that resource wasn't there for me when I wanted to get into this business. I was given an opportunity at Sub Seven, but if it wouldn't happen, like I've, it, my life would be a very very different story. But at the very at the end of the day, you know, in terms of if I look at why we've been successful, if you take the whole team aspect out of it, which that's the reason we've been successful. The reason we even get doors open is, is, and I'm sure you heard me, you know, talk, talk about this because I'm a broken record. Is we answer the phone, we we always communicate, and it's as simple as that. Well, you will not ever have a problem getting a hold of us, and there's so many companies they suck at that, and that one simple thing that our clients know that they know that they know they can count on us that goes a long way. Um, and I've literally tried to make that the cornerstone of this company is like under no circumstance will you not be able to get a hold of us. Um, if the communication is bad, it's on your end, not on ours. Um, we almost over communicate sometimes. And I, I try and make that a, a, a number one priority for everybody. And I make sure I'm clear with everybody when we work with them, you know, whether it's the guys that work here, or our clients that we work with, is like, you will know where you stand. You will know answers to questions. You will have yes or no answers. Like there's not going to be this ambiguity and gray area that I was used to for so many years because I hated it. Like I, I, you know, I give people the example all the time. I played baseball, um, for many years, you know, we, we'd have a bad game and, Uh, The coach would say, you know, we're going on a punishment run and we wouldn't know how long the run was. Well, I was, I faltered bad in those runs when I did not know how far we were going to have to run. But if the coach would come and say, hey, we've got a five mile run today and you've got to do it in this amount of time, I can always do that because I had a, I had a, you know, a goal in mind. I had a a clear directive. You know, is that unknown for me that I hated so much? Um, So I try, I never have that happen. Um, here or
0: within the confines. That is, I mean, you can't say that any better. That is one hundred percent perfect. I think that is something that I mean. I've sent you guys stuff before from you, the Ryre, the Clay, um, and you guys have all taken your time to look at it. And I'd say there's all kinds of people that send you guys stuff, and you take that time to look at something that doesn't even. I mean, I'm a nobody to you guys, and I, and I'm not saying it in a way that. You guys don't care about the community reaching out to you that you have around you. You've built around you with Copeland Creative and Redneck Tech, which we're about to talk about. But at the end of the day, you guys don't truly make any money or anything off of us. We're not. But I think you get what you guys do is something that I learned a while back. And uh, it kind of happened on this podcast. I kind of one night laying in bed, I decided I was going to message a guy, uh, Ronnie Phillips from Heartland Waterfowl. I don't know if you've ever heard of that show. I assume you've heard of that show. Um, Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, they've won all kinds of awards. I sent him a message one night, and I said, hey, I do a podcast. I would love to have you on there because I like talking waterfowl. I like talking media. And he was like, sure, can you do it in 20 minutes? And I was like, yes, I can, by the way. I will arrange my schedule and make it work. And we talked for an hour on a podcast and probably two hours afterwards. And he literally, I mean, he had questions. He actually had questions he wanted to know about podcasting because he was starting his podcast. And then he just talked about life and stuff in general, and it was kind of really motivating to hear someone at kind of that level care about someone else. And I have his phone number, and he says, if you ever need anything, text me. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer it as fast as I can. And I, and that's just something that I think Ryer has said a lot of is that this whole media world has opened up where if you take advantage, and when I say advantage, in a good way, and reach out to people, you'll find the people that'll come to contact you back in a way that it's a, it's a gateway to everyone now. Um, and he really talks about how these oh, yeah. cameras allow you guys to travel anywhere and everywhere to get to see amazing stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're definitely. Yeah, Ryder said that the best. They're literally a passport. To all
0: the cool stuff, and I think that's why I've been drawn to media forever. I kind of went away with it from a, for a while to try to run a different business. That COVID decided to stab in the heart and kill really quick for me when it was at. Oh the man, beat.
1: they
0: hear that. Uh, it was fine. It was killing me inside, anyways. bless freaking Lauren's heart for working with a rodeo company, but I'll, I could never do it again. <laughs> And she only does the media work. <laughs> I've told her, I was like, bless you. I was like, I couldn't do it again. I was like, two years killed me. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a job where you don't come home ever. And when you do, it's for an hour so you can leave oh, and wow. go somewhere else. I mean, it's, but it allowed me to make a bunch of money that paid for a lot of stuff in my life. So I don't regret it.
1: But yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's segue over to Redneck Tech. Um, I don't really know when you started this. Because I kind of just found it at one point in time and um, started following along and listening. I've heard a lot of your podcasts, not all of them. But did you ever, what did you, what was the game plan when you started Redneck Tech?
1: So, Redneck Tech was actually a second iteration of an original idea that I had that I'd still love to do if we could figure out a way to do it. But um, the original idea was, you know, when I was coming out of college and wanted to get into this business there was no resource really whatsoever um, you know open source to where hey here's here's the information you need to be able to try and make money doing this there was no classes there was nobody that wanted to help you you had to know somebody or have some sort of connection you know I, I was back this is back in the day when you had to search for people you know, like I emailed people in the industry, like people at Realtree, people at Mossy Oak, and, you know, way back when, trying to, you know, ask questions like, how do I get into this? How do I do this? You know, what opportunities are there? And you, know, you get cricket if you got a reply at all, you know. And it was frustrating to me. is like, why is there no outlet for guys out there that want to do this? Because I know, you know, running in my running around, you know, this was a job that a lot of people said they wanted. And it's a job I said I wanted, but I didn't really know what it was. So I was like, "How do I create a resource that gives that information and actually depicts it in a, the correct light?" Um, and the original idea was uh, we have created a pilot in 2015 for a show called uh, Nameless. We were actually going to make it a, a web series, and it was going to be a behind-the-scenes show of what it looks like to be an outdoor producer, um, because there's you know 700 and something network television shows and. Uh, and, um, in the outdoor space, and every one of them have one thing in common, and that's the producer. Um, so we were going to do a show that showcased how are we doing the things that we do? How are we shooting the night laps? How are we you know, shooting interviews? How are we doing X, Y, and Z? We shot the pilot, and we quickly found out um, the Sonys and the Cannons of the world are never going to pay for a show that has you know, kill shots in it. Um, and that was actually at the end of the life for Campbell's cameras. And there just wasn't really a viable way to pay for it because it was going to cost money to do it. Right. So the next thing was, okay, we, I kind of let that sit for a couple of years. and uh, it was after, I, you know, I wanted to do it at sub seven, but you know, long story short, the answer was no, we weren't taking time to do a podcast. Which, you know, you know, as well as I do, it doesn't take that long to, you know, to do a podcast, nor does it take that much money. So in 2018, I was sitting in a hunting camp in Oklahoma, and I had my little Zoom recorder there. And I was sitting there on the Internet in between hunts, um, just searching the Internet for, like, what does it take to create a podcast? And I was like, man, it's very easy, actually. You just, you know, get an, an account, get an RSS feed record a couple podcasts and you're done. You pay your monthly fee to keep your thing on there. You can have a website or not. So I was like, heck, this isn't that hard. I was like, I can morph that uh, nameless idea into a podcast. And, you know, Redneck Tech is what we call the local like uh, technical school here in North Georgia. So I called it Redneck Tech. And um, here we are, 160 some odd episodes later. And, um, you know, now we get classes. We're working on currently working on a new website we're going to come out with some products and you know it's, it's really morphed into something way larger than i thought you know we found two of our guys that work here have come from the podcast um so many friends and colleagues now in the industry have come from the podcast it's become way bigger and way more than i ever could have thought but um the, the original the, the, the absolute you know, basis of the idea was create a piece a content that helps anyone and everyone out there who wants to be a better content creator in the outdoors. This is the resource to help you. And, you know, there's some other ones out there. In my opinion, they scratch the surface and they kind of give you the general ideas but they never get down to the nitty-gritty and they're never, like, completely honest with you. Um, I've done this for 10 years now, and I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly of the outdoor business, and we didn't hide anything. There's nothing that we don't tell you. Um, We probably give away a lot more information than we should, um, but it's something to where I don't believe in hiding things because I've said it a million times, this, this business is not rocket science. It's got everything to do with communication, being a good person, and knowing how to do a lot of things shooting, editing, photography, content, you know, file types, codecs. You know, you got to be your own IT guy. You got to understand hard drives. There's a lot, you, you wear a lot of hats. So those things right there are going to keep a lot of people out just because it's a lot. But I also look at it as like, man, if my redneck from North Georgia can do this, anybody can't.
0: Yeah, there's, um, there's something to say about you. There's so much in there. We're going to break down that you, you just gave away, like always y'all give away too much information. And I'll say it that, uh, you guys should charge because <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just crazy the amount of the stuff I learned from you all. And it's just stuff that like you like, Oh, I'm stupid. That that's simple. But the internet is now full of that, which we'll get to that in a second. Cause I've there, there there's the whole Canada thing and YouTube that I want to bring up in a second. But, Yeah, I think, I think like the yeah like Campbell's Cambers was was probably the only other I'd put you guys in what they were doing with the show at one point in time. I forget the name of it. I loved it. It ended, and I never knew. Like, basically, couldn't have the money to do it because no one wanted to watch a show about producing shows. They just want to watch a show.
1: Yep.
0: Um, Yep. Probably, I mean, and that that show was funny. It had a lot of information in it. It was funny because the characters they had on there, which um I can't think. Well, of.
1: Well, any- the the biggest the biggest the biggest problem with that show was called the um top producer. Um, the, the biggest problem with that show was you bring in a bunch of other TV shows producers and, and productions to be on one show, and they all have competing sponsors where you can't get anybody to sign on to.
0: Yeah, I never understood why they didn't do that at a amateur level, personally. Um, I think you would have been better off to get a... Are you, you
1: there? there?
0: Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Like, it just Yeah.
1: It, it, Me either. Sorry.
0: Um, No, it's VFE. It, it was my service. It was on my side.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I was, I was just saying I don't want to get into the, the whole pay-to-play model and outdoor spaces. That was a major reason that that show never worked. But yeah, I I love that show too.
0: Yeah, well, I I just thought that they should have did a. I don't know why it wasn't like an amateur. There was a team from Liberty University on the show. I I don't know. I just get so bugged that it wasn't done at an amateur level. And it would have changed, I think, the game. Well,
1: they wanted to bring. Well, they wanted to bring some, some faces that people knew to get people to watch the show. You know, if they could have done it or couple two three seasons and got got it built up to where people cared. then you could bring in amateurs but i don't know it was i don't know if it was thought through very well um it was a cool idea for execution which that was most things that campbell cameras did
0: yeah hey i did buy a camera from them one time which i'm really disappointed
1: yeah yeah i i I bought a couple of them back in the day too
0: rabbit hole real quick i'm really mad that you guys didn't have well i didn't I don't know if it was I didn't find you guys soon enough, but I bought a Sony AX2000 back when they were uh-huh. relevant. I never learned how to use that stupid thing, yeah. and I'm really mad that I got rid of it and never learned how to use it because I thought I knew how to use it, but I'm pretty yeah. sure now I didn't know. I didn't know what half the rings did on the thing. I knew Zoom, leave it in, like, manual focus, which is, I mean, autofocus, which is a no-no. Um, But, yeah. That's a that's a rabbit hole that I go down all the time. That I'd love to have that camera back, but it's gone.
1: Yeah, well, you, I'm sure you
0: can go find a used on eBay right now. No, I no, no, my wife would kill me. I just I've literally bought two, <laughs> I've I've bought two cameras this year, so she'd kill me if I bought any more.
1: <laughs> I got
0: you. Um. Did okay? Did you think like okay when starting RedNet Tech? Did you think it was going to grow into this? What it's grown into with like this the classes and stuff, I mean you have two different types of classes. You well,
1: do the original idea for the for the web show was to be able to give to make the web show a one hundred one class, and then during the show um, have commercials or ads for an advanced class. Um, and so I already had that idea, and I wanted to do classes because I had done classes with people when I was seven because um, they wanted them. You know, they were usually small, and I didn't charge for them, but, you know, people that wanted to learn more. Um, and I had people ask me all the time about classes, and I thought like, text a really good way to essentially use this podcast to teach a one-on-one class. But once we want to talk about some more advanced stuff where you have to be your hands-on, you know, we'll have to give classes. And I've probably given, I've probably given 15, 20 classes over the last 10 years. Um, I usually do two or three a year. Um, and I love giving the classes. I love seeing people that are passionate about the same thing that I am. And that I get to nerd out with them on um, the stuff that I don't get to talk about with clients that we're doing behind the scenes that make the shows what they are. Um, because, you know, to, to have a really well rounded show, there's a lot of pieces to it between time lapses, between interviews, between lighting, between drone and photography and, you know, using your lens, shooting in your lens, shooting in manual, shooting wide open. You know, there's so many little small nuanced things that uh, we can talk about until we're blue in the face on the podcast. But until you can see them visually and have a camera in your hand, and we can explain to you what is happening and why why we do this way and why this image looks different than this image and, and how that's different and why this is better than that. Um, it's really hard to do that on an audio podcast. We, we do this, we do the, you know, the YouTube lives and try up to see a visual aspect to it, but it's still really hard to break down some of the more advanced stuff, which what we found, you know, when I started the podcast, I wanted it to be very much geared towards, you know, maybe starting out one-on-one, but really starting to gear it towards more novice and, and, and you know, and more advanced guys because, that's what I like talking about the more advanced concepts and what we're doing. But what we found very quickly is guys that were that intermediate to advanced were had pretty big egos and they didn't want to learn anything more or less, and they thought they do something that nobody else did. And they didn't want to share their "quote unquote" secrets. Um, so what our, the podcast ends up being is very much more geared towards 101 intermediates, and then the you know the, the guys and girls that want to learn more. That's where we that's where we run the classes and we're looking at trying to do more classes because um, we, we love doing them. Even the guys love doing them because we, we've met so many people, you know, not only guys that work here now, but you know, people that we still are in contact with that we use that we subcontract to that we, you know, have worked with, or that we're still in contact with just the networking from those classes has been been crazy. Um, So it's something that we, are going to continue to do and continue to grow.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think everyone needs to go over. It's Redneck Tech Podcast on YouTube, correct? I want to make sure I have that YouTube name right. Yeah, Redneck. You guys, Every,
1: everything, everything is Redneck Tech Podcast. So Instagram's Redneck Tech Podcast, the, the emails Redneck Tech Podcast, the Gmail, uh, Facebook's Redneck Tech Podcast, the YouTube's Redneck Tech Podcast. So it's just if you type in Redneck Tech Podcast, you should be able to find it
0: every if anyone gets anything from this podcast that listen to it go follow there is so much you guys <laughs> have like your live edits and stuff on there and i've learned so much of editing from that and the th- one thing that tell me back from coming to an editing class is i use final Cut. i haven't made the jump over to adobe i don't do enough business i feel like to pay for adobe for the year i have heard a little fun secret from a photographer i worked with the other day that told me like just tell them just like call and wine to them and maybe they'll give it to you at a discount. That's what I did. And it worked for me. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to try that to kind of switch. Um, I've used it in the
1: past on a well, trial. When you go, well, you, you can go on there and if, if any education level, if you're taking classes, you just go on there. And when you fill out your education to get your discount, just put into redneck tech university.
0: I would, I would try that. <laughs> don't.
1: Oh, it works. Trust me. <laughs>
0: Um, that's hilarious, but, <laughs> but, um, moving, speaking of y'all's YouTube, it has so much information on it. And, um, I don't, I don't know how many people realize it, but like, it seems like the U S really doesn't have a YouTube, like people like you. And, and I compare you guys to the Canadians, which I don't know how much YouTube you watch about like learning about cameras and all that fun stuff, but man, Canada's full of them. The U.S. has, like, yeah. hardly anybody. They have, like, a guy in California. That's about it. Um, you throw a rock in Canada, you're going to hit yeah. one, and they're going to apologize to you. But, I mean, they're just everywhere up there. And yeah, exactly. I don't know if we're just so far behind, but, like, when people people ask me, I'm like, either you go follow the, Canada- the Canadian people, you follow the guy in California, or you go follow Redneck Tech. And I was like, that's your choices if you want to learn. And you guys, I think the only difference between you guys and them is they – they they're not hunting so they get the free cameras and all that stuff so they get to break down all the fun stuff that you guys got to go buy and talk about that you guys don't get for free which sucks because i wish you guys did get it for free because then it'd be, yeah. easier.
1: <laughs> it'd,
0: it'd be a little easier for me to know about it i waited i don't know how many months for y'all get the r5 and go over it for me then to just turn around and go buy one like two weeks after you did your review on it but
1: Well, see, and we try, and when we do get a chance to do those things, I mean, there's so many, like, reviews and gear tips and things we want to do. With us, it's having the time to do it outside of our crazy schedule, you know, with what we're doing, you know, that actually makes money. And then the the second thing is we try and do reviews or or gear tips that are actually palatable. Like, we try not to get, like, too, like, down in the weeds with technical specs and things like that because, you know, most of the guys in this business, they just want to know what's the camera capable of how, does it, how is it going to make me better? Is it going to be a good camera for, you know, filming my turkey hunt? And that's, that's the kind of information we try and give. Now, can we go down some of those technical rabbit holes? Yeah. Um, does, does even some of that, that those guys on those things, talk about, does that even go over my head sometimes? Yeah, some of it does. But I know, what, I know what's needed to create the content that our clients want, and that's what we try to talk about.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's what's perfect about you is you're kind of the only re, like the only outdoor industry company out there that is showing behind the scenes of gear what you're using, breaking everything down. I mean, and you guys have a very diverse, somewhat set of cameras. Kind of, you do have some Canon, like you have the Canon DSLRs, a couple of them. Um, but obviously, I mean, the FX6 is the way to go. Um
1: if you can
0: find it, yeah, I've been looking because we were talking a little bit about doing a live stream pro project in March, and I'm like, if we do this, we're not using my R5 or my R. I'm like, we can use them as like a as like a color commentating camera, but we're. I mean, like they're not gonna like no. I was like, we're gonna have to rent an FX6, and they're like, you think? I'm like, yeah, yeah, and um, that that's just. I mean, it's just a given. Like those. You can go. Even the Canadian guys would probably agree with. They are kind of the flagship if you're going to do documentary style, TV style, production style stuff, which is what you guys do. Those are the cameras to go with.
1: Oh yeah, Um, I think. And I think I I don't know if anybody else in our business has as many as we do. I mean, we have we have three of them, and then we have an FX three. I almost had a fourth one, but it ended up being a scam on eBay. I tried to buy another one, but um ended up getting my money back but yeah i I mean i i want i want two or three more of them if i could afford them they're they're i mean they're a freaking game changer for what we do if nothing else but for the low light i mean the low light is just incredible
0: And, and i think people need to realize that you guys really haven't done a big breakdown on them which I think that's one thing it's lacking because everyone else that does a breakdown on them all across the internet, they kind of get really technical in them and it's kind of, it's intimidating. Let's be honest. Like it takes about five seconds to get intimidated by a camera. Um, Yeah. Like the, the R5C come out and I looked at it for just a smidge of a second and I got intimidated pretty quickly when they brought up all the menus and all the different stuff. But honestly, it's probably not that technical. I mean, it's probably set it once and move one. Yeah. But something that kind of blows me away that we're gonna we're gonna move to, which we'll, we'll touch lightly on it because I don't want it to be a controversial thing for you to talk about. But the web shows that are out there now, and just how they really don't—they use very old technology that doesn't. When I, when I think of cinematography and stuff, I think of like collars, like very nice collars, um, and I feel like there's a big, big section of web shows that have, that are hunting based or. Outdoor baits that have horrible collars really in it. They're very flat. Um, yeah, and I think and it goes to the cameras they're using, and they just use the cheaper cameras and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. They're not going to go buy the better cameras. Let's be honest. They have all their followers already because that's the big generation thing is to watch that kind of stuff. And the yeah, fish-
1: well, but here's a, here's it, it is frustrating. Um, and it's got a lot to do with cameras. It's got a lot to do with them shooting in full auto. Um, but, like, I get frustrated even with, like, Dudley. Like, I love him to death. But, you know, him and I have went around and around about this because there's so many times I want to make sure we're filming things on the FX6 and we're trying to get the best production with the best lighting. He's like, dude, nobody cares. Film it on the cell phone. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, it, it pains me to try and film anything not on the highest quality, best lighting I can. And, uh, he is, gets really like we, we I, I, see it, but I don't, you know, people will forgive bad video. They won't forgive bad audio. Um, so we always try and have good audio or at least usable audio. Um, but the video thing, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Some of these web shows, um, they're there for the content, not for the, the quality, uh, and 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 the the speed and the turnaround time at which some of these guys are pumping out content. Like you can't polish it um, unless you have literally a crew of people, and they definitely don't have the budget or time for that. So um, he's he's uh, are, are these web shows are just it's a they're also not targeting the audiences i want to target you know a lot they're getting lots of views but those views are from people that aren't buying things you know the 35 and unders aren't people out there spending money um they're they're doing a lot of looking but they don't they don't have the money yet to spend um so you've got to think about who the target demographics are for these web shows as well
0: yeah i would i would i would yeah i would agree with that thinking about it um god because I'm trying to I'm trying to word very correctly here when I say stuff just that something I can say after we get off here that um that I'm just trying to process in my mind um but there there's all there are also I can I can say there's some tv stuff that like we can talk about shows that are on there that I would love to sit down sometime and ask your opinion on them because I have my opinion on them and I think it's one of those, like you, like you guys talked about on your recent podcast, RedNet Tech. Look them up on anywhere you can find your podcast. But you guys talked about um, you want to have a TV show, and there's different people out there, and I think you can see that in some of the TV show qualities as well. Um, and I think it comes back to web shows. People are there because some of these guys are making money off their monetization if they haven't gotten canceled because they shot something or showed blood. Um, I think they don't care. They care more about the money and having their face on there than they do about the quality of the production.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The quality of the production, the quality of the production always starts lacking when you don't have the budget to match it. Um, and very few companies and, and shows have that budget. And I'm, I mean, even us sometimes. I mean, there's so many times we get our hands tied behind our back because of production budgets. You know, when you think about, well, okay, well, you know, why is that an excuse? It's like, you know, when I ask a client what your budget is, I'm not asking them, and I try to explain this to them, I'm not asking you what your budget is so I know how much money I'm going to make. I want to know your budget so I know how awesome we can make this thing. Because the more money you've got to spend, the more – hands and resources we have um the 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 cooler locations the more people the more talent the more shooters the more gear all of the above um so everything comes down to time and budget and budgets suck and we don't ever have enough time
0: yeah i think a prime example of hands tied which you've talked about this before and you can express yourself when i bring up the the Show, But you you guys produced a four-part series called Blue Stim. Yep. And that is one of the best waterfowl shows out there. I have pulled up a certain clip that Ryer is more proud of than probably anything he's done in a while. And I'm like, dude, this is you, 100% when you're waterfowl hunting. And you guys spent the time and money and the budget and the quality of that show, and it's, I mean, it's just one of the best out there. I would love to see more people that are on the YouTube do stuff like that. Um, That's that's the kind of stuff that I want to produce, is something like that.
1: That one's so unique in the fact, though, that that is one of the only times, if the only time, we have had a client come to us and say, here's what we want, here's what we want to do how would you guys like to tell that story or what story would you like to tell? And here's a really good budget. Um, and we essentially had pretty much full creative control over that entire project. Like every bit of that project was out of mine or Ryer's head with the talent really being willing to do whatever we wanted and having the time and the budget to do it correctly. Um but that goes to show you when we have the time, we have the budget, we have the right characters and the right story, really, really good things happen. Um and, and the bad part about that project was, you know, the sponsors never promoted it and never got behind it. And it, it really never had its time in the sun. And that was really, really frustrating for me, but even more so for Ryder, because he poured more time into that project than than anybody like I had I had more time planning and, and, and pre-producing than he did we both shot you know the same amount but he spent probably close to a month editing that project so it was a huge huge undertaking that it's still in my opinion our crown jewel of what we're capable of if you take the gloves off but um, at the same time you know, it it not getting its day in the sun was really really tough for us. But hey, it's we we get to create the content. We don't get to say what happens to it when it's done.
0: Yeah, I think um, and and you can take this however it is whether I look whether I'm called a fanboy or not saying this because it's I am a fan of you, a fan of what you all do, but. I would consider that whole entire project as good as what Heartland Waterfowl does, and I consider Heartland Waterfowl at the top of the game when it comes to Waterfowl content. There's so many shows underneath that that have, let's just interview, let's shoot stuff, interview, shoot stuff. It's no story, no cinematography, like nothing. I I wanted to tell a story, and I think that's something that holds me back sometimes when I want to produce something myself is I'm like, oh, there's no story here. This is crap. Let's just turn it into a 30 second highlight and put it on TikTok
1: and move on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I I don't think that's the thing. I don't think a lot of people like you see that piece of content and it really hits home with you. But for me, I mean, it would take a couple hours for me and Ryder to sit down and really go through and explain to you, all that went into that, um, it was—it's so much more went into that than you, you or anybody else that watched it realizes. Um, every second of that thing was thought out and planned, and every idea, every song, every like we went. You know, Ryder went as far as so like every time you see a new character come up in the scouting section, like they have an entire theme of music that they got to pick he even asked me like what kind of music do you like to listen to when you're in, the car- in your truck and he based their entire playlist that he edited the show to based on the kind of music they like and and that's the kind of thing that that extra mile that extra creativity that put that one over the top along with so many other things and so much other planning and research that went in on the front end um from me Uh, and and ryer and some other help from some you know chuck chuck had a big um a big role in some of the pre-production planning for that you know chuck was there during that whole shoot like he was kind of our eyes and ears behind the scenes to like make sure that we were seeing and doing things that that spoke to waterfowl guys like what is it what is that nuance that says that guy is a waterfowler and we wanted to make sure that you know, we didn't get too far down a rabbit hole of trying to get pretty stuff. And we were sticking to our, our plan of like, how do we show what a waterfowl guide is? Uh, you know, and Chuck, so Chuck was there, I think five to seven days with us, like literally over our shoulder, like, you know, Hey, I'm seeing them doing this. Like, I think this would be really good. Like, what do you think about this? And like, but having, you know, having somebody that was willing to help us do that and to, to plan. And I mean, dude, there was, There was so, so, so much went into that
0: project. Yeah, there's actually, knowing that you guys didn't get the, that project didn't get the the time and the daylight like it should have, there's actually a group in Texas that I wish those sponsors would see what you all did, and I think they're the type of sponsors that would be like, screw it, we don't care, Do do it how you want, do it the right way, and let you guys go do it again in Texas, because I think it could be something that's, that blows off the rocker because it's kind of the same type of guys. And it's kind of the, the family, the family gr- knit group that run the company. And it's, I mean, oh gosh, and it has the sponsors that, that aren't, aren't going to care. Like those sponsors care. We'll, we'll say it that way. Um, yeah. Cause you guys have talked about them. So we're not going to get into that because there's no reason to throw hate on someone for getting, not letting something be what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a and they're doing a show now and it's it just lack like it has it has such the cuss of having that story and I'd say their budget is they're I mean I don't know what the person's charging they're probably not that they're not doing a good job but they're probably just a little lower on the unexperienced level that maybe maybe if they do a season two it'll look better but yeah. you know what I mean it just lacks that that full like there's so much like like you hear them talking about something, you're like, "Oh my god, you could cut scene to this right now. Do it." And it's just not there. Um, and that's stuff that I've learned from watching y'all do your live edits. And you're like, "Oh, huh, we're talking about we're talking about this. Oh, let's go grab this clip and put it in there." Um, not to circle back to y'all's YouTube and live edits, but that is something that you guys have taught me. That's if you watch your you watch the shows that y'all produce and how you guys edit them, it's like perfect the way you got to pay attention to so, what, what your, what your talent is saying, you can, you can show something to help
1: show that per se. Show me, don't show me, don't tell me. Yeah. 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 Well, and there's, 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 and, it, and, and when you break it down, you know, it's, especially in the hunting space, it's pretty simple. The way that we produce things, you know, it's, trying to produce conversations, trying to get the most out of your talent. You know, a lot of times that's knowing your talent and that's spending a lot of time with them. Um, that's why we try and be fun guys in camp. You know, we always try and be guys that um, are enjoyed when we're in camp because, you know, when people enjoy your, you know, being around you and they, feel, you know, are personal with you and, you know, feel like you're a personable person, they open up to you and they're more comfortable with you when you're standing behind the camera, not just standing there having a conversation um and that you know even those conversations and the time you spend together in the truck and all the time that you're with these people all of it ties back into how good of a product you're going to get after the cameras when the cameras are on or when they're off because those relationships those translate through the lens um and the lack of personality behind the camera sometimes gives you a lack of personality in front of the camera um so there's There's, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of little things that go into making a great piece of content. And, you know, if you're watching edits that we do now for clients, you know, outside of Bluestem, just know half of those, we're doing those one arm time behind our back because with sponsors and deliverables and timeframes and budgets, like half of those that we're, we're very rarely putting out something that we're like, that one's perfect. Because we don't ever have the time to make them perfect. We don't have the budget to make them perfect. Like, there's no such thing as a finished product to us. There's only deadlines. You know, the only reason we're turning these things in is because there's a deadline. Like, even if it were up to us, you know, we would have so much more to do to them and so much more time with them, but we just don't have it. Um, you know, we have to run a business and make money. So there's, there's always that aspect to it, too. But at the same time, there are things that we put out that we're very proud of that you can definitely tell our hands were in. Um, but there's also things we put out because we have to because the client needs them. But that is absolutely not the way we would have done it. Um, that happens a lot too. So ask Ryer; he'll give you all the all the information you need on that.
0: Yeah, I've had Ryer Ryer on the podcast. Actually, he was the first one from Copeland I interviewed. Um, then, it, uh yeah then it was Lauren. and then i invited clay cuz i figured if i invited clay before i invited you and then scheduling didn't work out with clay so clay's actually not been invited back on the show yet which hopefully i can get him on here sometime because i think he has a pretty interesting background from where he came over from doing weddings and stuff and i just got into doing weddings because up here there's really no one who does weddings and i've done i've done a couple now and the compliments I got from the photographer that, Hey, you're, you're not like looking at your watch the whole entire time you're here. You actually care about these people. And I was like, yeah, like I want it to be a good project. I want to be proud of what I produce. I don't want to, I don't want to like, Oh, it, it it's eight o'clock. I'm done. Like I'm off the clock. Oh, sorry. 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 You got to quit dancing. Pay me. I'm leaving. Like, I, yeah. And, and that's something that I think like if people feel you're invested in what's going on, it also helps them open up to you and, And be more comfortable around you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which you see that in the stuff you guys do, which from the stuff with um with um uh, shoot, what was produced with? Oh my god, I forgot the country singer's name the other day. Brantley Gilbert. Yes. God, that's kind of bad. Had a (laughs) complete. I've had too much Evan Williams tonight. Because I actually, I had, <laughs> I, had to, I had to drink a little bit, of Evan Williams. Because this is the honest truth. I was a little nervous to interview you because I was like, I don't want to screw this up. Um,
1: oh, dude, ain't there no reason to be. To
0: be- <laughs> well, I mean, you guys like, and I, and I, and I told you guys like I'm trying to work it out to make it down there for a show. Hopefully, I've kind of, I've kind of confirmed some, some income here on the side. Because um, I try, I try to only use the money I make from media to pay for the media game. If if I start using my personal money, then it becomes like, Hey, I'm taking away from my family and I don't, I don't want to do that. And, um, kind of had, did some commercial work there today, kind of met with the guy who I'm going to be doing the content for. He was really happy. He was happy with the talent I brought. So hopefully we're going to start a trend here and kind of be able to work it way and produce some product content for a boot company a little more often than what I have been producing because it's kind of been, of course, COVID. Like so, he's getting products slow. So there's nothing new. But hopefully, we're going to hit a little stretch here where it's kind of a little more often. Um, but but that's about me. We're going to talk about you. Um, let's do a quick little breakdown on some of the some of the current projects you all have going on. Okay. Um, kind of breakdown, kind of who who your current clientele is, so people so people know, like, hey, when I'm watching this show or this YouTube series, or I mean, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what other streaming platforms you guys are on right now, but who, who you guys, they need to be on the lookout for.
1: Um, so right now we have, all right, I've got to think um, we're still doing some stuff with Dudley at knock on um, everything for the last four or five years. I say everything. Most everything you see photo and content wise and video has been from us from Knock On. Um, it's been really cool seeing Dudley. Um, I mean, he was popular when I started working with him, but he's like crazy through the roof popular now. Um, and it's been a really fun ride with him. He's one of my favorite humans in the whole world. He is hilarious and he's got more stories. And than... he He's somebody that if it wasn't for archery, but he could host any kind of show you wanted him to and crush it. He's just so funny. So witty, so smart. He's one of those guys that could do anything and he would be successful, whatever he did. Um, We're doing a a web series with spy point with um, Brian Stevens and Billy Lawson. um, Two really, really good friends of mine. I've been working with them for over five years now. um, Two, uh, Florida guys that are just really fun to be around. They're like brothers, and we get to we get a lot of creative control on that one. You know, Spy Point doesn't really give us a whole lot of direction, so we get to do some fun stuff with them. Um, we love doing that, love hanging out with them. Obviously, we're doing the Crush with me and Tiffany, um, which is by far our largest project, and it takes up the most, the majority of our time uh, in the fall and spring it the hardest working people you ever meet in your life. That's why they're so successful. Um, we're doing the make it happen series with Chuck Belmore, who I've worked with for going on 10 years now. Um, one of my best friends and I uh, mean, you know, me and Chuck have gotten to travel all over the place and do so many hunts and bow fishing trips over the years. And there's nobody more fun to, to have in camp and to have on the hunt than Chuck. Um, we are are doing a lot of content for Rambo bikes, a lot of video content, a lot of photos. Um, we are actually about to start doing a, a full marketing campaign for a company called Hyperheat. Um, they create a—they um, have a really cool, like moldable, bendable, like small footprint. Um, actually, like a heating pad for like your deer stand in the phone football game, baseball game, whatever. Um, you know, it's got a a battery pack that it plugs into and fairly not, not a new company, but they're really wanting a a whole facelift. So we're really about to take that one off and take off running with it. And, um, you know, obviously we've got redneck tech. Um, we do things with iron Valley supply. Um, we, uh, gosh, what else? um, we did Hunt Masters last year. We're not doing Hunt Masters this year, which I'm not upset about. That was a really, really hard project. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that's it at the moment. I mean, we've always got three or four things in the works that we're working on or trying. We're, all, we're about halfway done with our passion project, our film that we've been working on for two years. I can't tell you much more than that because that one is top secret until it comes out. We're hopefully going to have it ready by NWTF in February, but we're taking our time with it. Um, we're doing our classes. Um, that's all I can think of at the moment. I'm sure I'm missing something.
0: Oh yeah. There's probably, and there's probably companies you, you do like little one-offs with that you didn't mention. Um, you know what I mean? that call you up like, Hey, we need to produce something like this. And you're there, you produce it.
1: Yeah. Speaking of yeah, we just did a um, we were actually working on a, a launch video for Bergara's got a new a new gun coming out. We actually did one for their new cure barrels um, earlier this year, and now we're doing one for a new gun they're coming out with. So that's actually another one. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, I actually was there today, and I forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, we did. We definitely do some one-off projects. We did um, two height videos for North Georgia College softball and baseball this year. Um, we've done, uh, we did a a video for like a local pharmacy here. Uh, we've done some real estate videos. Like we've done a little bit of everything and where we don't discriminate. Like if it's something that sounds fun that we can do and make a little money on, we'll absolutely do it. Um, but you know, obviously our bread and butter is made in the hunting world.
0: Yeah. As, as I always say, um, as I was at a local fair the other day and they, um, it was a day of a rodeo that normally, Normally I have a hand in in the past. I've had a big hand in and made pretty good money. And everybody goes, well, I figured you'd be overdoing that. And I just give them the money symbol. I'm like, Hey, money talks. Um, I'll do anything for a little bit of money. I'm pretty well on the corner 24 seven. If it involves money, you can probably talk me into doing it. Um, (laughs) but, um, so I've kind of, I've kind of changed these around here. Um, what, what do you think would be your favorite animal to film? I, uh, I've kind of only really had the enjoyment of filming ducks. I would say that's my funnest. Ducks are turkey. Um, deer are very boring to me. Uh, they're very, very
1: boring. Turkeys and elk are my favorite. Um, waterfowl is by far my least favorite. Um, I just don't like everything that looks the same. And they're usually little black dots on out of the sky. And uh, it involves water and waders. And I just don't care anything about waterfowl um I just didn't grow up doing it don't I've done it enough now know that like I don't care like even after the blue stem thing like the only reason I did the blue stem things I told them like look I'm not filming a series of little black dots on the sky, and they're like good because that's not what we want like it was never about killing waterfowl like we obviously put that in there but it was until the fourth installment like I didn't I didn't want it to be about that. I wanted it to be about the people and the the stories. Um, And that's the only reason we ever signed up to do that one. If it would have been about killing ducks, I got to be like, no, find somebody else. Because that's not what I care about doing. Um, It's my least favorite thing to film. But at the same time, like, if I had to pick just an animal, it's going to be turkeys or elk. But even more so than that, like, I don't even care about that as much as I care about the story. You know, I would rather pick a good story if it's, you know, going to a chicken house and shooting rats in a chicken house if it's a good story i would rather do that than anything um i don't it doesn't come down to the animal for me it comes down to the subject matter you know uh it was told to me a long time ago and it kind of stuck with me it's like you're not filming a hunt you're filming a show a tv show a web show that the subject matter happens to be hunting so you got to think about it that way you can't think about it if you're filming a hunt you're telling a story and the subject of that story is that animal. Um, So if you kind of put your mind to it that way, that's how it kind of, it comes into perspective for me a little bit better once I start thinking about it that way.
0: Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Like I do love filming waterfowl, but it's got to be about more than just shooting ducks. Like if it's to me, it's more about the work and the effort, kind of what y'all did in blue stem. Um, But you just made a comment. I've got to ask about Jerry Clower. Do you know who I'm talking about when I say that? I might have said his last absolutely.
1: name. I absolutely know who Jerry Clower is.
0: You said shooting rats and a chicken coop, and I immediately, that's what hit my mind.
1: Um, oh, yeah. I listened to my, lots and lots of Jerry Clower with my dad when I worked with him in the summers. That's all my dad grew up on, man. That's some of my favorites. And that's the thing. I'll, I'll test some of the guys sometimes, and I'll throw out a quote from you know a Jerry Clower or a Roy D Mercer or something, and they don't know what it is, and I'm very disappointed
0: in it. Oh my! You should require everyone there to go listen to the Olympics at least from Jerry Clower. Um, That's oh. I grew up on. Uh, my grandpa had two Jerry Clowers, a Roy D Mercer, and I forget if the other one was a senior cassette in his old F150. Ray, what about Ray
1: Stevens? Did you ever listen to Ray Stevens?
0: Probably. Um
1: Um if you haven't you if you haven't you need to look up some Ray Stevens on YouTube and some of that stuff. Like he's he's up there with Jerry Clower and Roy D. Mercer. Man, I've still got Roy D Mercer on my phone now. I'll still listen to it occasionally.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll tell my wife though. I'm like I'm like, hey, we're on a long drive, I'm like, Hey, YouTube Jerry Clower, I wanna listen to something funny. She's like, Wow. Oh, I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, Oh, it, trust me. I was like, You can go to sleep, I don't even care. Um,
1: you boys want a possum? No, you got one. No, I just want to see if y'all wanted one.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that is that takes me back. That is literally that was on the cassette. That takes me back. Um, I love when yeah. people make that make references back to that old time because it reminds me of my grandpa. Um,
1: oh yeah, and the thing is, like, there's not there's so few out there now that they do know that reference, like that generation of comedy and not generation of people that listen to that. Like there's not very many of them left.
0: No, I would love to ask, um, some of the bigger comedians out there if they, if they, cause they don't ever reference them if they know who they are, but they try to stay relevant to their, to who's watching them. So it's, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, I, I wonder I if the Joe Rogans that, and like the Burt Kreischers and them know about them.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about them. I have talked to, I have talked to Fox really about it and, and he's definitely, you know, they were definitely an influence on him, you know. Like, did, but did you ever see like on YouTube? It was called the uh, uh, the Redneck Ninja.
0: Oh my god! Yes. Wait. Like, are you the, talking about the one from West Virginia to make me feel? Ninja
1: right? Star. Yes. Yeah, the Ninja Star. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not proud so, of that one. So,
1: so Jeff had never heard of him. Oh. I showed it. I showed him to Jeff years ago, and Jeff was literally. Belly laughing watching that guy. Like he he thought that was the best thing. And I'm like, oh my God, I like, you haven't heard the redneck ninja with the ninja stars and can backy, you say? No, says I.
0: <laughs> great. So now all I know about um, Jeff Foxworthy is he thinks redneck ninjas come from West Virginia. Great. That's a that's a great um, that's a great information I've learned.
1: That guy was great.
0: Oh God. See, I'm ashamed of that guy because he's from my state.
1: <laughs> uh, well, hey, so West Virginia, Alabama, you know, those states just don't have the best wraps anyway, so you just got to take what you can get.
0: I know. Between that and the whites, I don't know what I need a state claim to. <laughs> um, but l- let's kind of end on something that you probably don't want to think about but Ryer made a comment the other day. He decides whether he wants to use a piece of equipment in a manner on whether Caleb has done it or would do it. What is some of the most expensive equipment you've ever broken trying to get the shot?
1: Oh, wow. Um, so I've crashed several drones. Um, yeah, I've probably six or eight drones. I've got one at the bottom of the Atlantic. Um, yeah, I don't know, bunch. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I knock on wood. I need to find some wood. I've never completely torched a camera, a big camera. I've had pieces and parts on them break several times, but Ryder's the only one to completely torch a camera, and that was an FS7. While he worked here. And I had to pay like twenty six hundred dollars to have it fixed. So he needs to watch his tone when he does and stuff like that.
0: I'm sorry, um,
1: that. he's really he's really tough on gear himself. Um, but and, but here's the thing: is like everything we use, none of it's designed to do with what we do with it. It's going to break. It's not. It, they're they're made to break. Um, you look at our FX sixes. You know that are you know some of them. One of them's is right of a year old, the other two are under a year old. Dude, they look like they've been drugged behind a truck because they've been drugged in every dirt road, in the back of trucks, in the back seats, and up and down trees, through limbs, you know, on tripods, going through trees, turkey hunting. Like, we use them, you know, and they are a little tougher than you would think they are. But the monitors, the, you know, the, the connections, the buttons, you know, they just end up, Wearing out, especially when they get caked with mud, you know, they get misty rain, or, you know, they're just, they're just going to break. And that's just part of it. You just, I just ha- have insurance on everything and pray it's not catastrophic. Um, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, somebody walking off with it. Wow. Um, those things grow in legs. That's why we all have, you know, those Diamondback truck bed covers because that's an insurance policy, making sure that nobody can get to it in the back of the truck because. That's what would kill us if somebody took it, you know, mid-trip or something. But, um, I, I do, and it, it drives Keegan crazy how I treat some of my camera stuff because I'm going to use it to get the best shot and the best image I can. And if that, that means putting it in places that it shouldn't go to get that shot, that's what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of gotten to the point where I'll push the limits a little bit, um, Love Mar Five. I hadn't. I haven't had it a long time. I did a wedding the other day, and it w- it was misting the rain. And I used to not even let my camera if it misses the rain. It had a rain cover on it instantly. Like there was no way water was getting to it. Um, I did push it a little <laughs> bit and let it get a little a little damp on it. Um, I might have seen someone else do it on a YouTube that probably got theirs free, so I probably shouldn't have did it that way. But um, <laughs> the drones, man, those things are expensive. I actually just bought a new drone for a project. I bought it budget or project to pay for the cost of it so I was like, "Oh, it's worth it." Um but yeah, you got to watch them drones, man. They're pretty easy to crash.
1: There's um, two there's two kinds of drone, there's two types of drone owners, drone owners. Ones that have crashed their drones or ones that will crash their drones. That's the only kind of drone owners there are.
0: Um luckily the uh, the worst crash I ever had was me being an idiot and demonstrating my drone and how it'll return to home. Now, you think that's not a big deal, but when you launch it in amongst a lot of trees and you take it above the trees, that becomes a problem when it decides it's going to return to home and you don't know how to cancel that return to home.
1: Yeah, Um, that's how I lost my planet.
0: Yeah, (laughs) when those things get something in their head, if you panic a little too much and don't get it canceled, um, it's quite a problem.
1: Um, word to the watch is if you, if you end up flying it in the ocean out 60 miles out, don't get very far from the boat because when you get too far from the boat to where you can't see the boat and there's nothing but blue ocean, you don't know which direction the boat is <laughs> and you can't find the boat until your battery dies and your drone's 800 feet in the Atlantic. So just word to the wise, don't do that.
0: Honestly, the one, like, so there's two times, I think of drones that I think of Copeland creative. it. The first one being um, a um, one that y'all shared, shared on your social where, was it a hawk grabbed it or an eagle? It might have been uh, a
1: hawk. That, that, that was this last fall. I forgot about that drone crash. I wasn't even counting that one. <laughs> yeah, we, I had a hawk. Um, a hawk take mine out of the sky in Kansas filming for Rambo this fall. Um, I saw him come out of the tree, but I wasn't paying attention because, I mean, I've seen birds fly near him all the time. Yeah, this one apparently, you know, clipped it out of, you know, I'm, I'm flying along just fine and all of a sudden instead of my frame being square to the ground, it's like sideways crashing to the ground and I have no control. And come to find out, a, you know, a, a hawk had reached down and grabbed one of the wings and I guess knocked one of the propellers completely off and it just nosedived.
0: Okay, actually, I'm going to think of three moments in drones in Copeland Creative, and we'll end on these three. Um, it's because one is an epic shot, one is a funny comment. The one the funny comment is you were filming with um, The Habit, I think, um, The Hunting Habit maybe, or The Habit, whichever name it was at that time. Um, and um, someone made the comment of, like, hurry up with the drone, I'm ready to go shoot fish. Do you know, it was aired on a TV show, and I thought it was hilarious because of who it came from, knowing that it was a joking comment. Um, You were fishing with a southern, is it southern?
1: southern style.
0: Yeah, southern style.
1: Southern style, though, yeah.
0: Do you know which um, which outdoor TV personnel I'm talking about?
1: Oh, it's probably Chuck.
0: Oh, uh, it was not Chuck. It was Pig it was Pigman. Pigman,
1: pig yeah. Yeah.
0: And when he made that comment, I just lost it laughing because I'm like, "That's hilarious!" Because I know, like, to me, I'm like, "They're getting epic shots," and he's just like, "I want to go kill something." Because in his mind, oh, that's yeah. how that's how it works. I want to go kill something.
1: Um, yeah, pig man's a cut.
0: Got... Man, he is like I've. That's one of my one of my favorite shows out there. That doesn't really, oh. not that he doesn't have cinematography in his show, but man, he I just love watching him kill pigs at like ridiculous yardages oh, with bows.
1: His producer is OG, man. Matt has been with Pig since episode two of season one. He's filmed every single Pigman episode except for one in the history of Pigman. Like, that guy is rode hard and put up wet. And, you know, he is Pigman's right hand. That guy is a worker, man. He's one of my favorite people in this business. He's, he's an OG. He's from Pennsylvania. Just a, Just an awesome dude.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying their show is bad or anything. I love their show. Actually, um, some of the best coverage was when Pigman had the wreck, and he went through all that, and they produced that so well. I thought. I thought that was kind of some of the best production I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, Matt. Matt's limitations are Pig because Pig is just like that all the time. He's ready to go, 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 and won't let Matt get good stuff half the time. <laughs> yeah,
0: I would. I would agree with that. Yes, I would agree. Pigman is the. Um, 100%, let's go, let's go kill something. Um, yeah,
1: he, he doesn't have a slowdown button at all. Yeah,
0: the third and final shot, because there's so much I could just like ask you about right now because I've already thought of five more shots, is um <laughs> from when you were producing Huntmasters, I'm assuming it wasn't none of you guys piloting the drone. I'm assuming it was an FPV drone shot of the Combines.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that shot, I've seen so much FPV when it comes to like flying youtubers and stuff but that is like one of the first FP- fpv shots i've seen in the hunting industry and it was amazing
1: yeah so funny story about that one this is why you can't believe anything you watch we actually licensed that from australia um just for that show
0: <laughs> of course i should have knew it was bought off internet um
1: yep we- that just the show
0: um yeah because my next question was gonna be like who flew it because I've thought about buying FPV, but fun fact is I've never flown on a plane, scared of heights. Um, one of the guys oh, I, wow. did, I do advertising work for, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I've drove. All, I've been all the way to um, Lubbock, Texas also. I drove there and back. Um, I've drove to Arkansas a couple times. Like, I won't, I just don't fly. I just, no, nah, I'll drive. Um, don't bother me. I'll get in the truck and go. Um, <laughs> but
1: too, but uh, There's some trips. Driving just sucks. But I've uh, I've done I've done a lot of driving myself, but I've also done
0: a lot of flying. Yeah, but um, I've thought about buying FPV, but in the motion sickness that I would get, I'm terrified I would get motion sickness mid-flight and then crash my expensive drone. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean those things do whip around pretty quick. I mean they're going fast enough. Yeah. You got to put a GoPro on the top of the dang thing to get any good quality footage. Um, yeah. I was hoping I was going to get some crazy answer. It was like some awesome person I could go follow on Instagram. Now some some Australia. Well, I, I think that's pretty much wraps up all my questions. If you've got anything else you kind of want to, you want to spill or say about your company, or um, just give out kind of all the socials. We've been going here for a while now, longer than when I told you I was going to have you on here. But a little bit of technical oh,
1: difficulties. Yeah, no, um, no, I appreciate it. Um, uh, yeah, our socials at co-creative on Instagram and then I already plugged all the redneck tech ones, but it's just at redneck tech podcast on Instagram, you can find everything through there and, uh, no, man, just appreciate it. And, uh, just extremely blessed to get to get to do what we do work with who we work with and, um, see the places that we get to see.
0: Yeah. 100% agree with that. Um, thank you again for being on here, man. It's been Awesome. Well, well, well. Was that a podcast or what? That right there, that's my number one podcast. You know, it makes me a fanboy of Caleb Caleb from Copeland Creative. Um, But, man, he he is like, I mean, to me, he's living the dream job, Um, getting to run a production company. I would love that we'll do that. You know, I don't have that in the cards in my life, I don't think. Um, I know I don't actually. Um, just with how my life has played out so far there's just no no possible way i'll be able to do that but i hope to be able to do something semi like that and be able to produce content that is of that quality and tells the stories that way and i mean he has a great insight a lot of great information we um we kind of just talked about their career and bounced around a little bit of everywhere from how he got started in the industry and we did a very quick overview of it because he has a full podcast on his uh, redneck tech. If you go back, it's very early in the stages of redneck tech. Um, he breaks that all down. There's a, there's a couple other podcasts throughout the years. He's always went back and told that story. Um, they do live podcasts almost weekly on their YouTube, um, where you can get interact and ask them questions. And I highly recommend that. Um, usually you can ask on topic off topic. They usually answer them. They're a bunch of great guys, and he has assembled a really good team around him, and that's something that's pretty awesome. Um, as always, you can find us over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. At Fins and Feathers Podcast, we talk everything from waterfowl to turkey hunting to fishing to media. That is that is where we stick our, our noses, and we we, kinda, we try to stay within those boundaries um, because, you know, I, I have guys that I bring on here that talk about duck hunting and stuff from well all over the country so far and i've got guys that come on here and talk about um turkey hunting and about bass fishing and stuff um and then i i go out and get the guys to go talk media that i i like to talk about but like we we can get all nerd out sometime if you have any questions reach out to us um the youtube stuff is coming soon we're working on it we gotta buy some adapters to get the stuff work if you've seen the instagram story um go find us over there at winter productions and Winter Productions on Facebook. That is my media company that I run myself. That uh, hosts and run this thing. We're working on new intros and everything. But uh, we'll catch you next time. As always, see you.